Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Good morning and welcome back to Tech Talk right here on High FM where we've got all the tech news, gadget news, gizmos and whatnot. And often a ton of really interesting people who talk about a whole host of topics around technology, not always just the gadgets. This week I've had a really, really interesting week talking to some amazingly smart people and some people have really got some deep, deep insight into the technology world. And we'll talk about that during the Tech Talk Cafe um, session at around about 20 past. So stay tuned. Really will be interesting. Just as a little quick insight into that, we're talking about Qualcomm. Now, Qualcomm are the Intel, if you want to put it that way, of the mobile space. They make all the little chips that sit inside your smartphone and more and more inside all sorts of other things, and make them work. And also, we're going to talk just very briefly about a very interesting talk I listened to this morning regarding, you know, the singularity, the way that the world is changing and how fast it's changing, and some really interesting insights in how corporate South Africa and corporate globally are responding to these changes. So some amazing, amazing things happening in the tech world. It's certainly, in many respects, unbidden without any you know, sort of help from you or I, um, changing the world that we live in and fundamentally reshaping the way that everything is happening from healthcare to business to motoring, you name it, it's all changing. But more on to the news of the day as usual. Um, interesting story crossed my uh, desk this, well, this week and Adobe. Now, Adobe is the company that I'm sure everybody at some point has heard. We've all received a PDF document in the mail, you know, and view it or made a PDF document over the years. And it's it's sort of become the de facto way that you saved a spreadsheet, mailed it to friends or saved a letter, mailed it to business colleagues. And But Adobe was a lot more than just Adobe uh, Acrobat, which is the PDF maker. They also used to be the ones that whenever you had any flashy, and I use the word flashy, you know, for a reason, whenever you had any interaction on a website that had a picture or a movie or an animation, it was something called Flash. Now, you may or may not have noticed that if you use the latest version of Chrome, Flash no longer works. In fact, you've actually got to It'll say to you, you need to enable this, and a lot of people I know hate enabling anything or ask, answering any questions when they're browsing a website, so they ch- tend to say no. They wonder why the video won't play, because Flash is no longer working. Well, Adobe have finally announced the end of Flash. It's now officially going to die. By 2020, they will no longer in any way, shape, or form support Flash, and they've really They held out as long as they possibly could for backward compatibility. So if you've got an old computer running an old version of Windows Explorer or an old version of any one of the various web browsers, Flash was sort of enabled by default. The problem is it has massive security issues. You could, a lot of hackers, a lot of people that were trying to get into various platforms were using these Flash vulnerabilities to get into your computer, getting into your various uh, computer networks. So as much as they kept trying to, to sort of patch them and fix them and change them, Simply, technology has surpassed Flash. There's a new technology built into pretty much every single modern browser, 
and it's called HTML5. And that is secure. It's understood by everybody. It has far fewer vulnerabilities. It's much more efficient in terms of bandwidth, easier to code for. So all in all, a much more modern way to see uh, flashy stuff, interesting videos, and all sorts of animated-type content on a website. And it's also mobile-friendly. So... The days of Flash are done, so if you see that little pop-up that says Enable Flash, just say no for now, and hopefully, if you upgrade your browser, which is something I insist everyone should do at all times, you really should upgrade um, and keep the latest operating system patches going and your browsers up to date, because of all these sort of vulnerabilities, and more and more of them are simply not going to work with Flash. You're not going to see it anymore, but it's pretty much on its way out. And in other interesting news, something that I think is quite a, and security as well, security seems to be a big deal on the Internet, a little company, not so little actually, a little company called Kaspersky um, have launched a free antivirus software Worldwide. Now, they say that, and that was the headline, but worldwide not quite yet. They've launched in Europe and America right now um, for free, and they're launching in early August in Africa and the Middle East. So if you are looking for an antivirus, I honestly believe that for most people the antivirus that's built into um, Windows does a very decent job at keeping all the nasties away and alerting you if you plug in a USB stick from a friend who's unfortunately got something that you don't want on your computer. But there are layers of improvement beyond that, and Kaspersky, Kaspersky are one of the few that really do a great job of, of securing both your mobile and your desktop. And they're making a version of their antivirus 100% free, and often what happened, you can get free antiviruses, but what the sad thing is you get these things, and then they come up with a million pop-ups and uh, stories and adverts, and it just feels like you're being driven mad with notifications all the time. And a lot of people don't even realize that. There's suddenly a bar in your browser, and you're getting all sorts of information which you don't want. Well, the good news is the free Kaspersky version does not have any advertising. How they're going to make money, and this is something you've got to understand and something that makes it very interesting, is that they are going to use the data that that antivirus supplies. So when, when, you tr- when someone attempts to hack you or some sort of activity happens that, that needs antivirus intervention, that information is going to be shared with Kaspersky and using artificial intelligence, something we're going to talk about a little bit later, but using the sort of artificial intelligence algorithms and some of their big computer-based smart machines, they will use that to improve the program and improve your protection on an ongoing basis. So it's a quid pro quo. They're going to give it to you for free, but they're going to use all the information gleaned by your antivirus on your computer um, to share with them what's been going on and to make it actually better. So the free antivirus doesn't have the VPN, which is the virtual private network. It also doesn't have the parental controls, which is something that's a topic for another day. And the online payment protection that its paid counterpart offers, but all the other features, all the other protections, browsing and hacking and you name it, will be there. And I think it's actually a great deal because why wouldn't you want to share what's happening on your machine from that point of view uh, in order to get a really, really solid, stable and very easy to use antivirus? So if you're interested in that, go to Kaspersky. 
Com. It'll automatically take you to the South African site, and the South African site shows you all their stuff uh, that you can pay for. And I'm not recommending it as the only antivirus out there. It's a good one um, and reasonably priced. Norton and these other guys, there's so many out there, but uh, it's one of the less intrusive ones. It doesn't shout and scream at you and make a hell of a noise all the time. But the free version will be available on that website, Kaspersky with a K, um, dot com or dot co dot za um, sometime early September, uh, early August. So keep your eyes open, and if you're looking for one, this is really, I think, a great deal. Just realize that it's going to use a little bit of your data um, to send information back to Kaspersky to help them improve their, their product and help them improve their ability to protect you. And on that note, we're going to have a quick break for a, an ad, and then we'll be back with some more news and interesting tech stuff. <laughs> Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Hi there, and welcome back. Now, moving on to an interesting uh, company, a Chinese company in South Africa. You may or may not have heard about them. Their name is called Hisense. And Hisense, unfortunately, I wasn't in the country, but they had an event uh, which they called Aim High at their factory, interestingly, in Cape Town. Now, one of the few manufacturers of, there are others, but one of the few Chinese manufacturers of consumer goods, televisions, fridges, washing machines, air conditioners, not mobile phones as yet, but apparently that's in the works. But they make all these things from scratch at a factory in Atlantis near Cape Town. And they've got the exact same manufacturing standards and the exact same um Ability, they make them, they make the boards, they make everything except some components like panels that are made in huge factories in China, TV panels that is. But essentially from scratch they manufacture, um, all their products in South Africa and to global standards, standards that I've seen, I've been to the factory, I've seen how they do it, they use the same machinery as anywhere in the world. And the benefit is one, I think they get a, a really good deal from the government in terms of, you know, putting employment down in, in Atlantis and certainly they bring a lot of benefit to the community. They're a major employer there and they've been growing steadily over the last couple of years. What well, is part of their aim high campaign, launch of new products, there's washing machines and tumble dryers and all sorts of interesting, uh, not so interesting for me. I'm a bit of a tech guy, but a lot of interesting stuff that they've made. They've also expanded their range of really good value televisions. And uh, last year they introduced something which they call the ULED technology. Now, don't get too too confused about all these various terminologies. We've got ULED and QLED and OLED and all sorts of LEDs. But essentially... Um, their range of TVs are an enhanced LCD type technology, which is very similar in many respects to what Samsung are doing and many other companies out there. LG all do these types of TVs. And the benefit is great color, great brightness, and very, very, very moderate price. Um, and that's where I think Hisense have done an amazing job. I think from what I've heard, they're number three in the country behind the big boys, Samsung, LG. Now, Hisense certainly offering an incredible range of, of televisions at uh, really good prices. But their new, their two new flagships are just up my alley. They're all premium 4K television models, um, 4K being the resolution. It's, it's at least 16 times more resolution than standard HD. And today with fiber and everything else coming in, we're definitely getting a situation where more and more people are watching high-definition television um, on, on, you know, 
that are streamed via the internet rather than watching, you know, what they get through the air or through DSTV. And in many respects, it's really scary. DSTV only broadcasts at a maximum of 720p, which is HD. But it's not full HD. You're going to hear those terms and you hear them often around the world. But HD is really crystal clear and very sharp. Full HD, which is 1080i, which is slightly better quality than the P version, um, is even sharper. It has more detail. And 4K is at least 16 times more information than full HD. And all TVs beyond a certain size and a certain price today, from 45 inches, I suppose, upwards, are going 4K. It makes no sense at this stage. If you're looking for a new TV, unless price is an absolute consideration, not to buy a 4K television because that is the new technology. Everything's heading in that direction. Over the next couple of years, high-speed broadcast, Band, be it wireless, be it fiber, you name it, is going to become more and more ubiquitous. Telcom are even offering ADSL at up to 100 megs um, from now. So we're going to see a massive explosion in watching television over the Internet in very high definition. And the two new ones are a 75-inch and a 65-inch from um, from Hisense. And I've been told that their pricing is... Um, is really, really super competitive. Their, their Hero 55-inch ULED from last year has dropped to a price, I think, below 15,000 Rand, which makes a huge, huge, huge difference. I mean, that, that quality TV used to be in the 30s and 40s. And considering you keep a TV for the minimum three to five years, I think investing in a 4K, 55-inch uh, and above TV makes a lot of sense. These two new flagships, really, I've seen them briefly in their, in their showroom. Incredibly bright, super slim, beautifully made, right here in South Africa. And they undercut very similar products from the other, the other leading brands in quite a significant way. I think you need to shop around and see what the pricing in the market is. But the recommended r- pricing for a 65-inch 4K TV is 39,000 Rand. And the 75-inch... Um, is 69,000 Rand. And that, I must tell you, is pretty good value. For, it's not, you know, it's the price of a small car, but still, if you're in the market for a real high quality, high end TV without spending upwards of 80 to 100,000 Rand, which they used to cost, I think these two may be well worth a, a little look. So go and have a look at all the various retailers. They've got the brand new 65 and 75 inch 4K ULEDs. Remember, there are a lot of 65 inch TVs at 15,000 Rand. Unfortunately, they all tend to be last years or last decades technology, older technology. And as you go bigger, the resolution becomes more and more important. So whether you're watching DSTV at 720p on a 4K TV, you're still going to get a better picture on the 4K TV than you would on the full HD TV, which sounds quite interesting. So keep your eyes open. There are a lot more products coming from uh, Hisense, but really, I must say, it's local. It's built locally, um, assembled here, put together, and sold at pricing that really is, is significantly uh, competitive with everything else on the market. And the quality that I've seen certainly makes it very, very, uh, very compelling. So if you're in the market for a top-end High quality large screen TV. Got to got to recommend you have a good look at uh, Hisense. Now another little thing that's something that I think every single one of us over the years has used, sometimes extensively, sometimes not. Microsoft Paint is moving out of Windows as a default 
app. Their 3D paint is coming in to replace it. And for a while, people thought they were killing it. They were taking it out and getting rid of it. Well, for you purists who really cannot be bothered with anything more complicated than Microsoft Paint and who hasn't drawn or created a really horrible little picture or GIF or whatever it was um, on Microsoft Paint over the years, you can actually now get it. Well, not yet. They move, In the next version of the Creators update of Windows 10, it will no longer be the default or included um, app in, in Windows. You won't see it there. The only paint product will be their new 3D paint, which is great. Um, it, it, I've used it. It's very powerful. It has some amazing capabilities. If you've got a 3D printer, you can actually print to the 3D printer directly from this little, um, you know, create something, little blob or whatever it is, and send it to your printer and print it. But it's significantly more difficult to use than um, the old 3D or the old Microsoft Paint. But the good news is Microsoft have confirmed that despite the fact that it's not going to be there as a default, if you go into the store, um, the, the Microsoft Store in Windows 10, you'll be able to download it and install it just as before, and it'll be totally free. So for a while, people were all mourning the death of, of, of Microsoft Paint, but guess what? It's not going away. Uh, the good old Paint program that you've all used and enjoyed over the last good heavens, I think it came out with, with Windows 3.1, so up, now up to Windows 10, but it will be in the, it will be in the Windows Store, and you can just do a quick search for 3D Paint. But again, uh, must recommend that when this new version of Windows 10 comes out, the new Creators update, there's some amazingly good and worthwhile uh, improvements, so it's well worth the upgrade. And if you miss Microsoft Paint, you'll be able to find it in the store. And on that note, we take a quick break for ads, and then we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe. Hi there and welcome back and um, what I was alluding to a little bit earlier and this is Tech Talk Cafe I don't have uh, anyone in the studio with me today unfortunately they couldn't join me but I had a very interesting session with James Munn who is the the uh, country manager, in fact the territory manager for a company called Qualcomm now Qualcomm is one of the largest chipset manufacturers or chip manufacturers in the world. And in many respects, they are as big, if not bigger, than Intel. Everyone's heard of Intel. Far less people have heard of Qualcomm. And Qualcomm rose uh, to their, their current preeminent position as one of the world's largest and most innovative chip manufacturers on the back of mobile. And for many, 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 many years, they were the pretty much the only game in town. They, they manufacture, distribute, create chips that are used in the vast majority, not all, I mean, there's plenty of competition out there today, but the vast majority of um, Smartphones have a Qualcomm chip. And what is so interesting about Qualcomm as a company is they don't only simply make the silicon chip that runs it. They control everything from the radio to the, to the processor to the, the video processor to the 
algorithms and the and the the various software needed to make your phone actually operate. They also do incredible work working with the operators with regard to the next standards. So their chips are the ones that enable all the latest capabilities, all the latest technologies around mobile. They were the drivers of 2G, the drivers of 3G when it came out. They were the the proponents and the chipset manufacturer of choice for everybody pretty much until fairly recent history where Intel have now got into that game. A couple of other manufacturers like Huawei do their own thing. Um, Samsung also create their own chips. There are a couple of other companies out there who do similar jobs, but nobody has the scale nor, in fact, <laughs> the deep, deep patents of Qualcomm as they sit right now. And Basically, what they wanted to share with us is a couple of really interesting things. Their latest versions of chips, which you're going to find in the brand new Sony Xperia XZ Premium that I'm playing with now, the 835 chipset, is capable of absolutely unbelievable, we're talking about gigabit transfers of data. That is LTE Category 16 uh, performance. These are numbers and things that most people don't really even care about. But imagine having a smartphone that can transfer data over the air at 1 gigabits per second. To put that in perspective, I've now got 100 megabits per second uh, broadband at home on fiber, and I think that is absolutely the business. I can stream, I can download, I can share. In fact, my whole family can stream, download, share, and we all manage to do it with no slowdown and incredible speed. Now, imagine something that is 10 times faster than that. The question is, what are we going to do with all that speed? Well, that's a discussion for another day. But the fact is they've enabled the technologies both on the handset, and I mean, I'm, I'm holding the handset right here. It just looks like a normal phone. But this thing is capable of one gigabits per second over the air, and they've trialed it right here in South Africa with some Huawei technology, and they've actually done it. They managed to do one gigabits per second. Sorry, I must correct myself. It wasn't Huawei. It was Nokia. Nokia Networks did the trial, and they did using the latest generation and 256 QAM, and <laughs> they got so technical in this event. It was quite interesting. But basically, using multiple types of of channels. In other words, you can't do it with one band. You need three or four bands all hung together. You need multiple antennas, both on the transmitter and on the receiver, which are built into this phone. So it's not just one antenna. There's multiple of them working across multiple frequencies to to put all this information together and transmit it over the air at incredibly high speed. But the benefits of this are not simply the fact that you can download YouTube videos quicker with no buffering because there's a limit to how fast you can download a YouTube video, even if it's in 4K HDR, which is another thing this phone can do on a screen, which is ridiculous on a smartphone. But it's all about capacity. For example, on a 3G connection, when you used to get up to 7 or 8 megabits per second and everyone was super happy because it was way, way faster than the good old GSM or Edge that we used to enjoy at 365 kilobits per second. But now we've got, we had something called 3G, which was significantly faster. The problem was, as you moved away from the base station onto the edge of the cell, the cell itself would actually breathe. So in other words, the more people are connected to the tower, the smaller the cell would get. It would shrink. So if you were slightly out on the edge, all of a sudden, you wouldn't get 3G connection. It was just the weirdest thing. There'd be no throughput. You would see three bars, but suddenly there'd be no nothing happening. Your 
nothing would download, your YouTube videos would buffer, and it would just be an awful, awful experience. And then for no reason, you'd wander around the house towards the front garden, and boom, it would all come back. I mean, the days of you waving your phone around to try to get connectivity hasn't gone away, but it certainly got less. Now, 4G technology totally transformed that. 4G technology allowed many, many, many more phones to connect to the tower in the same frequency or the same spectrum that you had and allowed you to be able to get much better performance up to 20, 30 megs on 4G, sometimes up to 150, 200 megs um, in certain areas, much more consistently, much more regularly, and certainly this whole cell breathing thing became less of a problem. Now, the promise of 5G down the road, which they explained to us, is that those issues will become even less prevalent. With tons and tons more things connecting to the wireless network, you're going to have to have a system that's much more efficient at dealing with all these people and still delivering massive, massive bandwidth. So if you've got a system capable of giving you one gigabyte per second um, to one phone, you know, in ideal conditions. Imagine when you put 10,000 phones on that, well, just for want of a better word, each one would get at least a megabyte per second. Whereas before on 3G or, or even basic 4G, you would never get that. You'd have no speed because there'd be too many people connected and the whole thing would fall over and it would all be gone. You know, it just won't work. So that was the the, the benefit of speed. It's more about capacity and the ability to deal with high-speed connections to many, many more devices over the next couple of years. And this is the type of stuff that Qualcomm are showing. And interestingly, this one gigabyte per second is 4G technology. It's 4G plus um, or LTE plus, which you may have heard about. And again, something we'll talk about a little later because there's a new player in town on LTE plus. But 4G plus technology allows massive speeds, massive capacity and great, um, you know, benefits for you and I. As I say, it's not so that my YouTube videos can can load faster. But if you're in a busy area like Santon, for example, at lunchtime and everyone's sitting at the, you know, the mug and bean watching their YouTube videos, which is quite something to see. Everyone's sitting there all by themselves with their cup of coffee and their cell phone in front of them or their iPad. Quite weird. Um, Everybody will be able to download the same YouTube video and watch it without any interruption, and they won't even notice that's happening. And the new devices and the new chipsets and the new um, networks are all offering this technology right now, right here in South Africa. There was something else that uh, was discussed and at length, and it's something that I've actually mentioned over years and years and years, is that right now... Um, the South African operators have been unable to deploy the latest, the very latest versions. They have in certain very small controlled environments, certain shopping centers around Vodacom's uh, campus in Midrand. They've done a lot better. But beyond Category 6, which gives you a theoretical 300 megabits per second, they cannot get beyond that simply because the country has not allocated sufficient spectrum to uh, to the operators to do that. And again, we've discussed this at length. Category 9, which offers up to 450 megabits per second, and Category 12 and 16 offer up to, up to gigabit-type connections over the air. But unfortunately for that, you need multiple spectrum. You need lots and lots of bandwidth. And it's something that is happening all over the world. I was getting between 150 and 250 in some places, megabits per second, on a normal smartphone. Right, it was a, a Samsung Galaxy S8, which has very similar capabilities, interestingly, using a Qualcomm chip, a modem chip, not a processor chip that Samsung did their own thing on. But those sort of things are now now possible in many countries around the world and theoretically with 
just a switch of a, a flick of a switch in South Africa will be available um, to our operators here as soon as the country you know releases all the additional spectrum that you need and uh, unfortunately I just don't see that happening because part of that is all about um, digital convergence moving on to digital TV which still hasn't happened that's another thing that will start happening over the next year theoretically and um, we're going to have to talk a lot about that and how you're going to move on to digital TV but right now um, Qualcomm are doing amazing work at enabling both the operators which is the Vodacoms and the MTNs of this world and all the other guys to get their networks ready for these new technologies and as the phones come out with greater and greater capabilities obviously the networks have to follow and make sure that they can still even if they aren't quite up to the cutting edge or the latest edge the guys at Qualcomm in South Africa um, are working with the networks to make sure that their equipment is totally compatible with the very, very, very latest of uh, the phones that are coming out because the new Sony flagship, the new S8, and many others are coming. The new Huawei's um, are coming out with a so-called Category 16 LTE, which allows massively fast um, connection. But as I said before, it's not just about the speed. At that level, when you're on, if you have a category 16 connection, theoretically, doesn't matter where you are in the cell footprint, your, 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 your signal, your throughput will be far more stable. You won't even notice when you switch from tower to tower. There'll be none of this fade out and wandering around waving your phone in the air to try to get a connection. Um, all of that is pretty much going away. And with the death of 2G and 3G, well, not so much in Africa, but as those fade away, you're going to find you'll connect more and more to LTE-type networks, and you'll get far better consistency and far better um, performance overall across the whole thing. And then Qualcomm dropped something really, really interesting on on the conversation. And it's it's so much more about what's coming down the road and how South Africa is responding to it. But what is fascinating is that in order to try to move all the operators off 2G. Now, 2G is the old GSM technology. The good old, remember the old Nokia phones? I mean, they were brilliant. They had one week's worth of battery life. Um, you could, you know, charge, forget, a, you actually forgot to charge the things. They were so solid. They bounced around. They didn't break. But all you could really do is make a phone call and send an SMS. They had no browsing capacity. They did nothing. That was the original old 2G. They then added Edge on top of 2G, which gave you some sort of Internet capabilities. And then we had the sort of semi-smartphone, which allowed you to do a little bit of web browsing and a couple of other features. But the the technology of GSM is essentially obsolete. 4G is a fully digital technology. 2G, although they've used digital techniques to, you know, stop using all the old technical switches um, 2G as a technology is an analog technology it's old and in countries like Japan now more and more in the US two of the operators have switched off 2G many countries in uh, Europe uh, Korea have switched off 2G they've actually taken away the 2G network so what Qualcomm have done they've released a 200 series chip which does give the capability of working on a 2G network but it also gives the ability to work on 3G and 4G networks up to category 6 which gives massive speed all in a, a phone that looks pretty much like a normal um feature phone even though it's running a, a sort of basic version of Android it uh looks and behaves got a little keyboard little tiny screen but it can browse the web 
and it's fully compatible with the latest 4G networks. And here's where the kicker is. They are projecting that if the networks um, come to the party and don't charge exorbitant fees, they can sell that phone for 400 rand. Now, 400 rand for a phone that is capable of connecting to the latest 4G networks, a much better performance, do some basic web browsing, make phone calls, send SMSs should you require them, um, and allow the networks to move away from old 2G technology. And then what they could do is they could use all the spectrum, all the the um, frequencies that 2G used to move everyone onto 3G and 4G and then ultimately offer a much better service. And we've all talked about data must fall. They touched on this as well. This particular reference device, Qualcomm do not make phones. They make the chips that go into phones. But in order to show how well their chips work, they create what they call a reference design. They offer it to Telcom, uh, MTN, their stepper phone, Funny enough, if you remember, that was sold for, what, between 400 and 600 rand a couple of years ago. That was a Qualcomm reference design. MTN had it made on their behalf using Qualcomm's technologies, and it was extremely cost-effective and very efficient. Now, this phone has the same sort of capabilities, except taking it on to 4G. <coughs> and um, Qualcomm obviously have offered it to all the operators. And in India, a couple of the operators have taken it, and... Um, they they have uh, sold it quite effectively at 25 US dollars so around about 400 bucks so it's happening we're going to see more and more of it i hope it comes to south africa really soon and it's certainly at that sort of price we'll be able to outprice all these old 2g devices i don't think at this point the battery life is quite as good you're not going to get a month out of it but certainly it will offer you all the modern capabilities the voice quality the ability to browse the web that you won't have on all the older phones the only challenge is to get the price of data down to the point where people don't really worry about using their phone on data but again that was something that was discussed at length and one of the major problems for the networks is right now Vodacom runs a comprehensive 100% cover of the country on a 2G network which is technology that is essentially uh, 20 years old so it's time to kill that because it's cost it's not spectrum friendly it's costly to run at the same time they're running an edge network which gives you GSM data. Then they're also running a 3G network, which is another network, different equipment, different antenna, different radios, different everything. And then they're running a 4G network on top of that. So all the networks in South Africa are actually running one, two, three, four, five separate networks, all separate equipment, different radios, different everything um, at the same time using the same spectrum all working through the same platform and network, and this creates enormous cost and barriers to dropping pricing. So if you can get all the, and this is something they, they put forward and something that James actually said is, is remarkable, if they could simply give every user of a 2G phone a 4G phone tomorrow, and we're talking about tens of millions, we're probably talking 20 to 25 million phones, if they gave them each a 4G phone for nothing, no pay-in, no money, and said, 
give us back your 2G phone. We're switching it off. Here's a 4G phone. We give you two months to switch off your 2G network. It would free Spectrum and actually make the cost to the network significantly lower that they could probably land up cutting, slashing their data prices significantly, all other things being equal. So there are a lot of solutions and a lot of innovative ways to look at the cost of data and how data should fall. And one of them is to move onto the latest technologies. It might be all retro and cool to be using an old Nokia 3310, um, if you can still find the batteries for it, or the big SIM cards. I don't even know why you, where you buy big SIM cards anymore. But the fact is, a lot of people, for lots of reasons, uh, are still using old, old, old technology phones. They like them. They think they're simple. But in many ways, this is creating massive cost and complexity for the networks. So... A lot of innovative solutions. Qualcomm are engaging with government. They're engaging all the time with the networks and the handset manufacturers, obviously, to uh, discuss and to figure out ways to move the world onto the new digital 4G and 5G technologies. And it's imperative. 5G is coming. It'll be out here in the next couple of years. It is an iteration of current 4G, so it's not a new network. But still, for the networks to be running four different or five different configurations on every Every single antenna just to keep us all connected. It's quite a technological feat. So that was just an absolutely fascinating uh, discussion around mobile technology, where it's going, what's happening, and what the reality on the ground in South Africa is. And we definitely have some real challenges. And yet in certain areas, uh, you're still getting full 4G category 16 cutting-edge stuff if you've obviously got the right phone. On that note, we'll break for a a quick uh, ad break, and we'll be back with my gadget of the week and some last-minute gizmos. With Stephen Ambrose. Moving back to technology, where I'm a little bit more comfortable than writing adverts for High FM, the... The gadget of the week this week is the Sony XZ Premium phone. Now, I went to the launch um, a little bit a couple of weeks ago, and I was suitably impressed with two things that really came out. One, Sony are committed to South Africa. They certainly are not going away. From a mobile perspective, they're going to continue to release phones as they release globally, and they're putting a lot of effort. They're doing a lot of work around making sure that their service, their support, their marketing, their visibility is is out there. And, I, and for many of us, many of us who lived through the age of the golden age, if you want to call it, of Sony, when they were a major product, everyone had a Sony TV, they certainly are a brand that has a, a long, long legacy of quality, innovation, and and really bringing some amazing technology. Who can forget the Walkman amongst many, many other things? Now, in this day and age of mobile phones, we live with technology that, in many ways, a phone is just the most remarkable device. Calculators, who needs them? It's on your phone. Cameras, who needs them? It's on your phone. Um, Recorders, who needs them? It's on your phone. Music players, again, it's on your phone. What isn't on your phone? There's an app for pretty much anything. So one device, I mean, I've seen this picture, I'm sure you all have on the internet, this room full of equipment, PCs and God knows, all these little bits and pieces lying around, a desk full of stuff, all translates into one tiny little pocketable uh, phone. So, you know, 
a lot of these things were pioneered by Sony. A lot of them were created by Sony. And here we live in a world where you, you've got choice in the mobile phone space. Now, the XZ Premium um, is a brand-new product, as I was saying, and it just came up during the Qualcomm um, interview. The XZ Premium uses some of the absolute latest cutting-edge product or, 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 or technology that exists out there. I mean, I'm not going to bore you with the, the, the speeds and the feeds, as they call it, and all the various technology, but essentially it's based on the, the latest, latest chipset from Qualcomm, the 835. It comes with 4 gig of RAM. That is the in-memory memory and 32 gigs of, of, of storage, plus you can add a SD card um, you know, category 10 and above, please. Just remember that. You don't have to know why, but fast. It's got to be fast because this is a fast phone. Um, and a couple of other real technical uh, benefits as far as I'm concerned. It's got a 4K HDR sc- compatible screen. So when you watch um, YouTube videos, when you watch um, even Netflix or anything on the screen, and it's a large screen, um, you will find that the quality of the picture is pretty much breathtaking. They use some of their technology from their televisions in the screen. It is definitely one of the best quality screens that I've seen on a phone. Whether it's in bright light, it's just outstanding. It's sharp, it's clear, it's incredibly bright when it needs to be, and very, very accurate in terms of color and everything else. So an outstanding screen. The other thing that Sony have always stood out for is their cameras. Now, this phone has one little party trick. Um, it's not a it's not a must-have, but it's certainly something that impressed me no end. It has got a 625-frame ultra-slow motion mode, and that means you can catch a hummingbird in full flight, um, slow it down to frame by frame, and there's 625 of them per second. In the most unbelievable detail, they, they demonstrated with balloons popping. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible. It has, unfortunately, one uh, restriction, and that is more due to the amount of information that's stored, because a 4K HDR stream is, mega, is gigabits of information over a little while. So you just need tons and tons of room. So the, the, that mode is limited to six seconds. But those six seconds are absolutely amazing. So... A flash, uh, a pop, a balloon bursting, a droplet of water, you can do the most amazing facts. But that's not where it ends. The camera is a 22 megapixel camera, so it's very, very, very high resolution. Um, and the front camera is also excellent. I must admit that I did find that you, you have to put a little bit of effort to get the best picture. So the, the, the Samsung Galaxy S8, the iPhone 7, and even the LG G6, take more consistent, easy pictures. This camera, I think, has the capability of being better than all of them. But when you're just wandering around snapping pictures very quickly, sometimes it tends to overexpose a little. Um, It wasn't as foolproof in many, many respects as the other cameras. But quality-wise, in in general sort of conditions, it is one of the finest cameras that I've played with, both the front selfie camera and the rear camera. And if you take the time to tweak the settings, it can be pretty near astonishing. It also has one other little party trick, something that um, the iPhone 7 has done for a bit. It records before and after. So you can take a picture, and then if someone blinked or stuck their finger in their mouth or turned their head, you can go to just before and 
use that picture instead of the one you actually took, which is saved. If you've got kids, trust me, this is a, a wonderful feature because they never keep still. So every picture's got a couple of frames before, a couple of frames after, and you can shift between them and pick just the perfect uh, picture that you want um, to 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 save, which makes a lot of sense. Or if you've got lots of storage and you don't really worry about it, you can keep all the pictures for that matter. But that was really life. The, uh, nice. The other thing that impressed me um, is the build quality. It is a big, square, solid-looking phone. You either like it or you won't like it. It's not as sexy as the S8. It's not as curvy as the iPhone 7. But it is in the, the size of the screen is S8+. Plus iPhone 7 League, um, incredible Gorilla Glass 5 front and back. The one downside is it's slippery. So be careful. may need a, a nice cover. I've had it slide off desks that are just slightly uh, angled. It just slips all the way down. It's so smooth. But generally, Sony quality in build has been exceptional, really well built, beautifully put together. And this is where it all comes together. It is certainly as fast as, as well built, um, as technically capable in terms of camera, screen, battery life, and general overall fit and finish than any other flagship out there. So if you like Sony, this is definitely a phone that you should look at in terms of being a top-end device. It comes in flashy silver, which you can. It's a real party, party you know, uh, conversation piece. You put it on the table, you can actually do your makeup on the back or you can fix your hair. It's that shiny. The one they gave me was a black uh, dark metal one, which I prefer, but it comes in silver, comes in black, and um, it's certainly well-priced. It's going to come in at about two to 3,000 rand for cash, less than an S8 Plus and an iPhone 7. It's a little bit more expensive than the G6, the LG, but it's extremely well-priced. You can get it on Packages from the various networks between four ninety nine and five ninety nine, depending on what it is that you want. But essentially, in my opinion, Sony are back with a flagship phone that is as competitive, as good as, and as um, capable as anything else on the market. So, the days when they maybe weren't quite as good, we now are really in the world where you choose, you like what you like. And you make your choice. So remember that. That's the Sony Xperia XZ Premium. It's a top-notch, high-end, flagship smartphone right in the league of the others on the market. And using some of the absolute, you can brag to everyone that you have Category 16 capable LTE phone. Not that you'll actually ever use it pretty much in South Africa, but it's always good to have bragging rights, to have the highest tech piece of equipment in your pocket at any one point in time. And on that note, we're going to have a quick ad break, back for my last little segment, and can you believe an hour has almost gone? Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Now, moving on, I see our time's running out, but I've had a number of questions from a lot of people um, around this issue. Fiber is everywhere. More and more people are getting fiber. It seems to be a bit of a, a fiber race to cover most of the suburbs in most of the major cities in South Africa, and it is a transformative thing. Fiber to the home, fiber to the business changes the Internet. I know we were talking about a 1,000 megabits per second um, on mobile, but truth be told, nothing beats a solid home connection or business connection, and based on fiber is 
round about the best. There are some, in some areas, you start to get more advanced ADSL, but as a technology, it's in its golden, golden years. It's on its way out. What is coming, and this is something that is very interesting. So if you don't have fiber, there is a new version of LTE that is dedicated to home fixed connectivity, and that is called LTEA. This is being rolled out by a company called, that used to do iBurst, WBS systems. They've renamed themselves as Rain. Now, Rain are not actually going to deal with the public directly, but they've appointed or they've done deals with a number of the various um, ISPs out there, Mware being the first. But there are a couple of others, including AfriHost, who are doing connections with Rain, um, and they're offering them as LTE advanced. So if you can't get um, fiber and you're struggling with your 4 meg ADSL that often gives you somewhere in the region of 1.5 meg, which is not enough to actually download anything, um, they are offering some new LTEA packages that are extremely com- competitive. It's not quite, in my opinion, as cost-effective as fiber, but considering that it's it's wireless, it's portable to some extent, and it's available Basically now, um, for around about 549 rand a month, you can get an LTEA with a little modem from uh, from MWeb, and I would suggest that you you do not sign any 24 months contracts because that definitely doesn't make a lot of sense, especially with the uh, industry that's as fluid as it is right now. But there are three options essentially in the LT advanced field. There's MWeb, there's AfriHost, and Telcom. Now, right now, and I'm sure Telcom are going to change their pricing from 1 August, so again, maybe a little premature, but they have something called a, Telcom have a smart broadband wireless LTEA, and if you're in that coverage, which most city, most suburbs in the cities are, it's around about 7.99 a month, including a modem for a 50 gig cap, which is not bad, but once you start using streaming, 50 gig goes extremely, extremely quickly. I would suggest anything between 100 and 200 megs to give you really um, more than enough room to maneuver, and if there's more than four people in the family. But if there's only one or two of you, um, it really makes sense, and it's pretty pretty cost-effective. The equivalent from um, MWeb is 549 Rand a month, and from uh, AfriHost, slightly different package, but in the 550 Rand. So if you haven't got fiber and it's not coming in the nearest future and you're looking for a much, much, much better connection than ADSL or any other form of Internet that you may have used up to now, then the new LTEA from Rain or whoever you want to call it, but it's LTEA, Telcom don't, they do their own, but the MWeb and the AfriHost versions are very well priced, and from I've never tried it myself, but certainly the quality from what I've heard is really good, and LTEA being one of the more advanced 4G connectivities is certainly a great uh, product in terms of just general consistency and the ability to get really high speed. And on that note, I'm afraid we're going to have to call it a day. You can always send me an email on stephena at highfm.com and uh, ask any questions around the LTE because it's a, a subject that's uh, evolving really quickly. And thank you so much for listening. This is Stephen Ambrose on High FM, and we'll be back next week with more news and more gadgets and more gizmos.